Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Uh, you guys, I'm so excited to be able to, to t- speak this morning about Christ. Uh, the, the opportunity to share anything about Jesus is always special, but particularly on a Sunday that's Easter. We, we have all week long been meeting here in the evenings to pray and to seek God. Uh, Sarah kicked off the Holy Week so beautifully last week with uh, Palm Sunday service. And uh, Good Friday, you could just feel the, the, the sense of God's grace in the room. It, it was powerful. And I, I love the visual of the cross. How could you not? Uh, it's, it is so incredible to think about what Jesus was willing to do and endure so that he could bring redemption and forgiveness and cleansing to us. I was, I was speaking with a friend this morning, and, and he was talking about how years ago uh, he had heard Reverend E.V. Hill talk about the fact that Jesus wanted to go, didn't want to, Jesus descended into hell to rescue those who were trapped. And the fact that if you really put your mind around that concept, who would do that? Who would go to hell for you? Only Christ. And it was a transformative moment in his spiritual journey. He was a Christian at the time, but, but he said it changed how I saw God. It changed my relationship with God. And I think it's important for us to remember that, that, that when it says God so loved the world that he gave, what that entailed. But the thing I want to share about today is, is, is not just exclusively about the redemption we have in Christ and about the freedom we have in Christ. It is about the new life we have in Christ. And Pat alluded to that. I mean, when you look at the cross and and you see the empty cross and you realize that Jesus has died and he has descended and he has ascended and he he is resurrected and he's coming back someday for us. But before that happens, he invites us to walk a new life with him. And it's not just a new life, it's an upgraded life. It's a better life. It's an amazing life. And I would be remiss as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a discipler, if I did not remind us all, both the online and the in-person community, that that invitation is ever-present for us to walk with Christ, to step into an upgraded life. And I just want to share with you some verses this morning from the book of Colossians, uh, we're going to go through these fairly quickly, but, but there's some truths in here that I want to just bring to your remembrance, because many of you have read this book uh, you know, lots of times, but it's good to keep reading it and remind ourselves of these truths. So with that, let us, let us begin. It says in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Colossians that the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Just keep that verse up there. When we encounter God, something should happen. I, I, was, I was talking to somebody this week, and they said that they have a friend who said they had a, they had a radical experience when they came to Jesus. And I kind of we were talking, I said, well, shouldn't everybody? Right. I mean, shouldn't everybody have a radical experience? Yes. I mean, there, there ought to be something that happens because it's meant to be a transformative moment. Now, let's be candid. How many of us had a radical experience? I, 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 I limped into the kingdom because I had to finally go from being an agnostic 
and two, saying, yes, I do believe in God. Yes, I do believe in Jesus. I'm not sure I want to, but, but, but I do. And so I had to confess that. But, but as far as changing my life, I wasn't really up for that. Because I sort of thought I liked my life until I realized there was something better out there. And so it's, it's important to remember that, that this encounter with Jesus is meant to be amazing. And we continue into verses 9 and 10. It says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge, not partial knowledge, complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Not just wisdom and understanding, but spiritual wisdom. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And this is the, the part that I want to just, man, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. My experience isn't that unusual because this new life that Christ invites us to, to live isn't automatic. It takes intentionality. It, it takes a desire to, to study and learn and, and unlearn some things, if, if I could be so bold, to realize that some stuff that we may believe is not actually true because there's some other stuff that is true. And so, so if I want to step into that, that life that produces abundant good fruit, that is perpetually producing fruit, I've got to make the decision that I want to be an ongoing disciple of Christ. And so Paul, again, continues to write to this early church. And that, just so you know, this is a, this is a city in, in early Christendom, and Paul has been discipling them. And so he's written this short letter to them to, to help them grow in their faith. And we continue, though, with verse 13 in the first chapter. He said, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And think about that. And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He rescued us. He's like SEAL Team 6. You know, if you want to think about that, that's what happened. We were prisoners of war. We were in captivity. We, we're in lockdown being tortured. And some of us don't even know we were being tortured. And God sent the commandos in the form of his son who went in there and busted some heads, kicked down a door, grabbed us by the shirt collars and drug us out. And he didn't relocate us to a different POW camp. He took us to the kingdom of heaven and gave us the best that heaven has to offer. Come on, that's good stuff. Which kind of begs the question, if we've been transported into a better place, why do we keep looking backwards? You know, I mean, if I may use this analogy, if Egypt was so wonderful, why did you need to go to a promised land? Don't go back to Egypt. Keith Green wrote a great song about that. Rabbit trail. We don't need to go there today. <laughs> so we got to realize and remember that it was a search and rescue operation, that we literally were prisoners. And we've now been made free. Again, Paul continues to write. Let's go to the 21st and 2nd verse. He said, this includes you who were once far away from God. Anybody in the room want to admit that you were once far away from God? A couple of hands in the room. Steve Pennington, where are you? No, I, I'm sorry, Steve. I, you know, I got my hand up, man. We, we were once far away. Yeah, the Drury's. Yeah, we were far away from God. 
You were his enemies. Enemies, that's a bad word, man. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yeah. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And this, is this last verse, I hope you can see that. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. <laughs> I mean, you read that and it's like, I can't be true. I can't be faultless. I know me. I pick on my friends in the services. I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I, I, I know me. I know my faults. I know stuff about me that nobody else knows. So how can that apply to me? How can that be true? And yet, if I'm going to walk in the freedom and, the, and, the, and the, the life that produces abundant good fruit, i got to embrace that. Because if I don't, I, I'm, I'm always going to think that I'm unworthy, I'm incapable, I, I, I'm too much this and not enough that. But if I walk in the truth of what Paul just said, that, that what happened at that cross made me blameless in the eyes of God. And suddenly I, I, I see my potential entirely different. I can do stuff that, that I never thought I could do before. I can do the, the works that Christ did and, and do abundantly above and beyond that. So we need to walk in that revelation of our blamelessness in the eyes of God by grace because that's the only way we can live the abundant life. In case you can't tell, I love the letter to the Colossians. It's so rich. And, and we go to the second chapter now in the sixth and the seventh verses. It says, Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord you must continue to follow him. Let your roots, the thing that you draw nurture from and nourishment from, the stuff that sustains you, let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. What's it look like to build a life on the foundation of Jesus? On the foundation of you are blameless in his sight. He has, he has given you a new nature. You are new creations. He has made a potential available to you that was not there before. He's rescued you from being a POW and moved you into the kingdom of God, a place where, where you may have life and life more abundantly. And to be conscious of that, I mean, I, the, this, as a Christian, my identity is not my gender. My identity is not my ethnicity. My identity is not my, my history, where I've been, what I've done, my vocation, uh, whether I'm married or single, whether I have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren. My identity is that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And it begins there. And if it stays there, we can build lives on that foundation that are secure and strong and the winds can blow against them and waves can come against them and an earthquake can happen and, and there can be famine and flood and whatever. And our lives endure. And not only endure, that there may be difficulty for a season, but we come through it and we thrive. And that is what Christ invites us to. 
This is such a powerful book. Verses 13 and 15 of chapter 2. You were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Again, highlighting that phrase. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way... He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. Who has the right to condemn you? Who has the right to judge you? If God has declared you innocent, then how dare the devil bring up thoughts of condemnation, thoughts of shame, thoughts of guilt? I'm not talking conviction. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit convicts us, but I'm talking about looking at yourself in a, in a diminished capacity, putting yourself down. No one has the right to condemn you. You don't have the right to condemn you. You don't have a right to condemn yourself because God has declared you justified. And he has wiped away all of the accusations. They don't matter. This, this, this gospel that we've been invited to live, not, not invited to believe, invited to live, is transformative in ways that no other philosophy, no other, no other religion can possibly compare to. Because it's the only religion that isn't based on what you do for God, it's based on what God has done for you. I mean, seriously, everything else is, you go do this and this will happen. It's karma, man. No, it's grace, man. I'd rather have grace than karma anytime, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't be good to people. Not putting anything down, just, just saying, okay? But if you want to live a different life, you're going to have to think different thoughts, okay? Since you have been raised to new life in Christ. We're, we're in Colossians 3 now. Set your sights on the realities, the realities of heaven. You can't see it. You can't touch it, but it's there. And I've said this before, that the spiritual world is every bit as real as the physical one. And we need to know that. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life. And your real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And then we go into this acknowledgement of toxic thinking that, that can literally poison our lives. That toxic thoughts, toxic beliefs, toxic you know, attitudes that, that can literally take the potential of, of a rich and abundant life and it can literally kill it as... as much as Roundup can kill the weeds and any of your grass in your yard if you go spray it. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. What a visual. You know, we all have dark sides. Everybody does. There's stuff lurking in us that would try to, you know, entice us, to tempt us, to seduce us. And not just sensual things, just hurts. You know, past victimizations. They're there, but we can't think about those things. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world, that's a 
powerful statement. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. If you think good stuff, you'll do good stuff. You think bad stuff, you'll do bad stuff. There's an incredible proverb which says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, and everyone knows that the thoughts precede the actions. And so we very seldom do stuff just randomly that we haven't considered before. And so if you find the script going through your head to be, you know, a little crazy sometimes, <laughs> a little negative sometimes, a little me-focused sometimes, a little victim-focused sometimes, change the script. Change the script because the consequences of dwelling in that headspace aren't good versus the consequences of dwelling in the headspace of love, compassion, forgiveness, mercy. That produces great fruit. That produces abundant life. Hmm. Renewal, Paul writes, is for everybody. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. God wants you to be like Jesus. That's, that's, that's his will. It's a pretty lofty aspiration, but that's what he's asking us to aim for. Be renewed and become like him. In, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Every person, those raised in church, those not raised in church, every person, no matter their heritage, no matter their background, every person is equal in the eyes of God. And the promise of the cross is not an elitist promise. It's the most egalitarian promise you could imagine. It's, it's, it's God saying, you know something, I don't care about your background the promises I have for you are the same promises I had for Paul and Peter and all of the disciples. There are no second-class Christians. You understand? There's no, there, there's no underclass in the kingdom of God. Everybody is a child. Everybody is a son or daughter. Everybody is loved the same. And he paid the same price for each and every one of us. And every promise in the book applies to all of us equally. And an invitation is extended to us to walk in that. It makes us the best version of ourselves. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. God, let those adjectives apply to me. I mean, seriously, let that describe Reese in Jesus' name. Make allowance for each other's faults. Boy, that's a big one. And forgive anyone who offends you. That's a bigger one. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And, and above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Oh, thank God for peace. Thank God for peace. And always be thankful. And then I, I finish with this, verse 17. 
Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Not just Easter Sunday, fill your lives. Let it be the foundation that you build your life on. Let his teachings and his instructions be the truths that you embrace as you cast away other truths that are in conflict with it. Let your thoughts be the thoughts that he he encourages you to, that you may produce the fruit that will bring good things into your life. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Did you know that Christianity is not a solo sport? It's a group activity. (laughs) Seriously, those of you online, I appreciate you. I'm glad you're part of us. Thank you for doing that. But I encourage you to look for places in where one, where you can make connections, where you can sit down and break bread with a brother or a sister. You can have coffee. You can talk about life and the challenges that life brings. It's it's there. And, And we need those relationships, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. A friend of mine's son, several years ago, was, was wearing his uniform from his office at the place he worked had a uniform. And he got in trouble while in the uniform, and he almost lost his job. And I remember he, he, he looked, went to his boss and he said, hey, you know, why are you, you're going to fire me? I, I did this on my own time, you know, and I, I didn't get arrested. It, but, you know, it was embarrassing, but, but what has this got to do with my job? And he said, the minute you put that uniform on, it became my business. Because you weren't just representing you, you were representing me and all of the other coworkers we got. And so he was, he was a young man, and he had grace and mercy, and so he kept his job. But, but that reality, I think sometimes that when we, when we align ourselves publicly and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that my life no longer is simply my own, that I'm on company time 24-7. And, and if I'm going to not put pressure on myself, because we talk, there's no guilt, there, there's, we're free. I can't live my life from a selfish perspective anymore. I have to live my life thinking about how my actions and my words will impact you and others because it will. Because if we keep that to the forefront, we won't just experience Christ as our Savior. We'll experience the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. And I say that not under condemnation. I say it as an encouragement because it's a good life. It's an amazing life. It's the best possible life you could imagine. In fact, you cannot imagine how good it can be when you live in the grace, mercy, and wisdom of God because things just happen that are not possible any other way. So there is an anointing that comes on our life as well when we make the decision to, to surrender to Christ. And that anointing carries on with us even as we leave this place. To, to prepare us for life. And so I've asked my team of, of wonderful helpers here at church to prepare something for you to take away this morning with you, to take to your homes. And so, ushers, if you could hand these out and, and hand one to me. I'd like to invite my, my uh, handsome son, Benjamin, to come to the platform. He's going to help me with this part of the service. Thank you. You brought one? Oh, cool. Thanks. Twice. What are they handing you? They are handing you a vial of extra virgin olive oil. Seriously, it is. 
And I want to thank the people who actually filled these manually. Every one of these was filled by somebody and it wasn't me. Thank you, Lord. So why am I giving you a vial of olive oil? Well, it's not for your salad at your Easter brunch. Although they tell me you can use it for that. It's because olive oil is symbolic of the Spirit of God. And you'll see a card within the little sack you're getting in it, and it's called anointing instructions. And uh, they're written very small because somebody wanted to make fun of me. And uh, it's just a wet... You got it. Yeah, you got it. It said, to wet your fingertip with oil and place a small amount on the forehead of the person that you are praying for. And so I asked Benji, and I really do appreciate you being willing to, to demonstrate this. I'm giving this to you because I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to anoint yourself sometime today. Anoint yourself to step into the life that Christ has for you. And then, particularly if you're a head of household, I, I would like you to anoint those in your family. Uh, if, 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 you're, if you're with your kids, anoint your kids. If you're with your grandkids, anoint your grandkids. And again, you know, don't tackle them and hold them to the ground. I mean, don't, <laughs> you know, it's... But, but, but ask them with respect and polite. Hey, you know, pastor gave us this anointing oil, and I, and I just, I'd like to anoint you and pray over you that you might go forward from this moment and live the abundant life that Jesus resurrected from the grave to make possible for us. You guys ready? Ensel, sir, do we have everybody? We're good. Everybody outside as well, do they all have one that are in the overflow? Okay. So Benji, this oil is symbolic of God's presence that he sent to this earth and that remains on this earth. That as a believer in Jesus, you are touched by the Spirit of God, renewed by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God. And uh, you're on the journey. You're, you've entered adulthood recently. You have a long life ahead. And I believe that by faith, as you, as you learn to discern the voice of the Spirit, as you learn to understand what the Scriptures bring as truth to enlighten us and to, to show us the right way to, to follow, that there's abundance and blessings ahead for you. There's good things ahead for you. You can get help to deal with the stuff that everybody has to deal with. We all have things that are just hindrances to our futures. And and God is going to help you with that. God's going to bring new enlightenment to you for every new season of your life. When you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50. And yes, when you're 60, God will still talk to you. And the relationship between you and him is only going to grow. And I say this by faith as I anoint you with this oil in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. God bless. All right. Proud of that kid. <laughs> He's not a kid anymore. I got adults. <laughs> it's all right. Every season's a good season. Every season is a good season. You know, at the end of this service, our intercessors are going to be up here in front. Some of you have come in this morning and you're bringing burdens and you're bringing concerns or cares. And I want you to know that, that we don't want to be dismissive of those. In fact, we believe that, that the prayer of faith will raise up those who are sick, restore those who are broken. And they're going to make themselves available for you and your family, and they're going to pray with you. 
But uh, I'd just like to ask you, as we bring this service to a close, to think of one thing in your life you would like God to do for you. What would you like God to do for you? Forgive you? It's available. Restore you? It's available. Reconcile a, a, a relationship that is broken? It's available. Heal your body? It's available. Heal your soul from depression. We prayed all week about deliverance. Maybe there's something in your life that you just can't seem to walk away from. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's an addiction. But freedom is in Christ. We were rescued from the kingdom of darkness. Remember that? The commandos came, and he moved us to the kingdom of light. So just think of one thing that you would like God to do for you here on this Easter Sunday morning. And just, if you would, put that in your hand and lift it out to him. You can lift your hands up or keep them down in your lap, whatever you're more comfortable with. But Lord, all throughout this room and online, we are surrendering our cares to you this morning. The things that we want to see happen that, that we cannot make happen ourselves. We ask you to forgive us of our sins, of the things that have kept us from you because Jesus provided forgiveness. We confess them to you that each of us has fallen from your grace. But your grace is always there. And your grace is bigger than our sins. So move in our lives. Move in this situation. Move in our bodies. Move in our, our jobs and our families. Move in our lives, God. We thank you for this. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.